Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. With Lee Lonsberry, from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, taxes, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Welcome back. I'm Lee Lonsberry. 107 is the time here in the KSL Newsroom. For the next hour, we are going to have a conversation uh, with a number of folks. We're going to be looking at uh, what is taking place next week in the United States Senate, the second impeachment trial against President Donald Trump. Now, I cannot help but note that most of the most of the discussion and most of the talk and most of the coverage uh, on this issue has been incredibly divisive. Uh, you are either on one side or the other, and there is no talking to the other side because they're absolutely wrong and you are absolutely right. Uh, and, and I'll admit, I've probably fallen uh, into some of that myself. Right. Uh, But it it occurred to me the other day uh, as I was having a conversation, I think we were talking about the inauguration, uh, that there are two gentlemen in our midst who are, you know, in terms of their politics on far different sides uh, of of the matter. And uh, as I was talking with one on the air uh, and I'll introduce you to him in just a second, as I was talking to Mr. Fox on the air, I got a text message from Mr. Howell, who was incredibly praising. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what a great example of. Uh, you know, two individuals who are able to speak uh, so civilly about matters on which they disagree so severely. And so I thought, you know what, uh, I-, I bet we could take a lesson from them. Uh, let's invite them onto the program together at the same time and-, and just have a conversation about what is transpiring in Washington, D.C. right now, specifically with regards to this impeachment trial uh, set to commence uh, in earnest in earnest. Uh, next Tuesday, as managers make their presentation, the defense does its work, uh, the senators acting as jurors uh, share their questions. Uh, and so without further ado, let me welcome to the program uh, two men I greatly admire. First off is Ron Fox, who has served as a, a surrogate for Donald Trump. Uh, he's a historian. He's staffed numerous presidential inaugurations uh, and even more Republican conventions. He's done uh, decades of work as something called an advance man, uh, where you go uh, ahead of different operations and make sure that uh, all, all the plans are exactly appropriate and ready for the big event. Uh, so with that, Mr. Fox, welcome to the program. How are you? Thank you, Lee. Doing very well. Thank you. Uh, and also joining us is Scott Howell. Uh, you hear often from Scott Howell, a Joe Biden surrogate and former member of the Utah State Senate and good friend of the program. Scott, welcome to the program. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate the invitation. It's great to be here with Ron. So thank you for having us. 
Let, let me ask you first, Scott. Why do you think this is so contentious? Why why can't folks uh, you know have civil conversations about this? Why is why are we in such a divided era? Well, I think it's a, a little bit of the nature of the economy. I think it's the, the nature of what's happened with the pandemic. Um, it's changed so many things, and I, I think one thing that we know for sure is most people don't like a lot of change. And I think the election was just icing on the cake of where some people just felt like they couldn't have one more change in their life. And, you know, the the conspiracy theories uh, on both sides of the aisle started to run rampant. And I think the emotion of the constituency got to them before the facts. And, you know, I've read about the Civil War so many times about brothers and sisters who would oppose each other in that. I could never imagine how that could happen. But I've seen what's happened with the election and where we are today. And I've witnessed, you know, breaking up of families, of good friends, because one side wouldn't agree with the other instead of having common dialogue and being able to discuss facts. It's turned into emotion. And again, I'll go back. I think it's one more element of this very uncanny 2020 and 2021 that started. Yeah. Uh, Ron, you've had your finger on the pulse for a long time. Uh, you have seen, uh, you know, different administrations come in. You've seen different elections play out. Uh, is is the the division and the high emotion of today, is it truly unprecedented or have you seen this before? Well, it's occurred before. I mean, you can go back to the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln and how divided the press was as, as it pertained to him. But I think that the fact is, and Scott is correct, there's so many compounding issues to this particular year. And and there's no doubt that that the president and our and some of our leaders in Congress are on such polar opposites or sides, you know, it has just added to it. And and I'll be candid, I think the media has added a lot to it, the talking heads, and it stirs up people. Republicans and Democrats both have people on the uh, on the far right or the far left of their own parties. And it's those people, say, on the Republican side, on the far right, or the Democrats on the far left, that add to the mix of bringing the rhetoric up to monumental levels. Yeah. Uh, th- so that's the atmosphere. That's a look at the atmosphere. Now let's move on to the the trial itself. Uh, and I'll ask you, Ron, first, should this Senate trial even be happening? Well, it's my opinion, but that the that the trial— is for, according to the Constitution, is to convict the president of the United States, the man who holds the office. There have been 20, and if you can count this one, 21 impeachment trials in the history of our nation. And it, it's to remove an office holder from office. Donald Trump does not hold office now. He is an ex-president. He, you know, uh, and I think candidly that the the uh, Supreme Court Justice, Chief Justice Roberts, who sits in the trial portion of the impeachment, will have to make rulings. And even if he makes a ruling stating that the fact that this case is, in his opinion, unconstitutional, he can be overruled by the senators because they are they are the controllers of that body. Now, if that if if say Senator if President Trump got convicted and he took his conviction to the Supreme Court, 
I feel the Supreme Court would would overturn it. But but I, I just think of the millions of dollars and all of the different things that are going on right now that need attention of Congress, that this is just a a, a, a very big sideshow. It is serious. Don't get me wrong. I'm right. very angry with the president. I'm, I'm very angry with the president. So, you know, it's his level of rhetoric that has caused this. Yeah. And and he lost his election. He did. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's just my opinion. Let me step in. Uh, we're speaking again with Ron Fox, uh, who has served as a surrogate for Donald Trump. Scott Howell on, on the other side uh, served as a Joe Biden surrogate and former member of the Utah State Senate. We're going to take a break right now. We're going to return uh, with the two gentlemen. We're going to start uh, when we come back hearing from Scott Howell with the same question. Should this Senate trial even be happening? His answer next and more ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. With Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back. We're continuing our conversation about the upcoming impeachment trial of President Donald Trump, uh, the second such trial that he has faced. Uh, we are also keeping a close eye on the weather right now and the road conditions. And as developments out there uh, come, you can count on hearing them reported here on KSL News Radio. Uh, so let's get right back into it. Again, we're speaking with uh, number one, Ron Fox, who uh, has served as a surrogate to President Donald Trump. He's a historian, has staffed uh, numerous presidential inaugurations and uh, Republican conventions, has done much work uh, and, and is very well versed uh, in both the history and the context of uh, the world in which we live right now politically. Uh, also speaking with Scott Howell, uh, Joe Biden surrogate, former member of the Utah State Senate and good friend of the program. Uh, gentlemen, again, thank you for your time here this afternoon. Thank you for the invitation. And Scott, we're picking things back up with you. The question I asked uh, before the break of Mr. Fox was, should this Senate trial even be happening? I'll put that same question to you. Well, Ron makes some very salient points about the heart and soul of the issue when he talks about the constitutionality. And I think that it's something that will happen. And I I read an article, an op-ed piece, uh, and I can't remember what it was, but the impetus of it was like in politics, like is in life. Um, there's times when you'd love to be able to make a case for something just because you can or it's gratifying. But honesty and sincere uh, sincerity, I think, compels you to admit that logic is flawed. You know, that's the real conundrum when I consider the pending impeachment trial of a private citizen, Donald Trump. You know, is, is Trump guilty of a, what the Constitution says is a high crime? Well, if he isn't, then I don't know what a high crime is, but having incited uh, uh, an armed assault against the legislative branch, and uh, Ron knows this better than anyone else, Robert E. Lee had that, the decency to at least resign <laughs> before leading the insurrection. But, you know, there's a, a never-ending uh, logical question that you have to say, and I'm not a lawyer, so I'll leave that up to attorneys, but if you convict a, and a president that a, in a, a, you convict a president that's no longer in office, uh, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And Ron makes a very good point. What is the point of other than prohibiting President Trump to not be able to hold office ever again? But I think that impeachment 
process, if they move forward and, and convict, it has underlying unintended consequences that could hurt the presidency for the next 100 years. So at the end of one's presidency term, if the House or the Senate doesn't like something that happened and, and he's gone and they come back to impeach them, this is almost like what's been happening with signing of executive orders. It's not going through the legislative process for uh, of what we're supposed to be doing. So for me, when we talk about high crimes and misdemeanors, it's, it's almost impossible uh, for a conviction. And it, it really, in my mind, was designed to, to clear the public, uh, the electrical uh, electorate, excuse me, um, uh, almost buyer's remorse of what happened, you know. And people just said, oh, well, after you're gone, then I, I'm not so sure that I liked what you did and I don't want to have you come back. I think you're treading on very thin ice when this moves forward, uh, and and even the most ardent uh, Trump supporters or uh, people who don't support Trump have to think about the unintended consequences of what this means. Uh, Ron, about that, something Scott mentioned just now was the, the, the secondary decision needing to be made by the Senate, that, that is removal from office. If, uh, you know, hypothetically, the trial is to commence, uh, ultimately a vote is called, and the outcome of that vote, those votes, is that the president, President Donald Trump, is barred from future office, does that have the possibility to strengthen the Republican Party? Is the pre- is President Trump a, a leader, a legitimate leader, or is he a distraction? Well, it's it's really again a matter of opinion on the people within the party. I find that he's become a distraction. Uh, you know, I I I'm very critical of the president, but at this point, but I also was very supportive of him in many ways with some of the policies that he had and some of the appointments that he made, especially to the Supreme Court. So, I mean, in fairness. But it is his style, his tweeting, his his you know uh, uh, stirring up the pot. That's what's gotten people upset. And and to answer your question specifically is the if he's convicted and he is barred from office, and I think three people have been barred from office in the past through the through the impeachment process. That that when you bar those individuals. Uh, in, a, in, a, in an after-the-fact case, I think Trump goes to the Supreme Court. But this keeps his name in the public. Most presidents yeah. have been respectful of the fact that when another president takes over, they're fairly quiet. They go into private life. We saw it with Bush. We saw it with Obama. And it was only until the election time comes up that they popped up and they expressed themselves. And I, I, I'll tell you personally, I'm that way. I will not criticize Joe Biden. He's the president of the United States. He was elected president, and you have to support your president. And then come four years later, if you want to find a better candidate, that's what you go out and do. And I have to compliment. Uh, you know, Scott has been very kind to me, and, and, you know, we've been friends for a long time, and he's just a gentleman, and I enjoy working with him at every every possible opportunity I have. So it's getting people together like this we need in our Congress to get things done, because if people would stop – yelling and going into corners, we would get a lot more done. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Lee, one thing that Ron said that really resonates, and it should resonate with constituents, uh, um, the proof of the pudding is when Chief Justice did, uh, did not attend the hearing. 
So that's a pretty big indication to me that when this does go to the Supreme Court, if they go that far along, you kind of know exactly what the outcome would be. And Ron, Ron makes a really good point. How long do you leave this lingering uh, past president in this situation where we continue to to have the whole conversation about it? When does the unifying of the country take place? And, you know, I've I've had friends that have said to me that really President Trump doesn't deserve the kind of trial uh, uh, that's reserved for sitting presidents. And when you think about that, um, he's out of office. Uh, Supreme Court justice has not has made the decision not to show up. And what if they don't convict? I think both sides will probably continue to carry this on. It's almost like forgive and forget and move on. And let's let's get our country where it needs to be. And plus the time that it takes for the trial. Yeah, sure. You know, I'd like to see them work doing real work. I, I can tell you, if Ron and I are back there, we'd have this country <laughs> on its feet real quick. <laughs> I'd like to see that. <laughs> That's kind. Uh, there was a request yesterday uh, put forth, and we only have two minutes left. Uh, again, we're speaking with Ron Fox, uh, a surrogate for Donald Trump uh, during the election season, and Scott Howell, a surrogate for Joe Biden during the election season. Uh, again, gentlemen, two minutes left. I'll ask each of you. There was a, a request yesterday put forth by lead impeachment manager Jamie Raskin asking the president to testify, President Trump, to testify either before or during the trial. Uh, he declined, the president did, in a, a brief letter written by his representation, declined that invitation. Uh, I'll ask you first, Ron, is that, a, is that a mistake, or or should Trump stay out of this? Well, no, I think it's a mistake, and most most uh, uh, attorneys would tell you it's a mistake. Some presidents have responded in writing to things, but they've not appeared. Uh, I think that uh, uh, President Clinton certainly didn't, and, and I know Andrew Johnson did not, uh, but he, he actually wanted to. So... Uh, it's it's really in his own best interest that he sit back and let his own defense go forward. Scott, do you agree with that? Should the president speak up uh, and testify before or during this trial? I concur with Ron, only for my judicial experience of, of seeing court cases happen. And I think what he could do is do a written statement, but... Uh, wise uh, counselors would would uh, agree with that advice. And so, you know, once again, it, Ron said something interesting about the talking heads. If you want to fuel the talking heads, just have the president go in there and, and start talking and tweeting or, you know, whatever it is. So that would be, uh, once again, polarizing for everyone. Uh, well, listen, gentlemen, I, I could sit here and chat with you all day long. Their time has expired, though. Let me again extend to both of you my thanks uh, for having a conversation like this from such you know varied perspectives that you each come from uh, and giving us an example on how to hash through these issues and discuss them uh, civilly and with calm. So thanks again. Again, Ron Fox and Scott Howell, my guests. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for having us, Lee. Thanks, Ron. Yep, thanks, all righty. Uh, that'll do it. We're going to take a, a break here in just a moment. When we return, I told you we were keeping a close eye on the goings-on on Utah's roads with the snow that's falling. We're going to get a comprehensive look at what's happening with John Gleason from the Utah Department of Transportation next after the break. It's ahead here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. 
But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.